On today's episode, I chat with Samir Patel. He's led a pretty extensive career at the helm of Silicon Valley's biggest and most iconic companies. In 2012, he launched Google's online e-commerce store for all their hardware devices. And then he joined Facebook as director of engineering and then hopped right over to Instagram with the same role. Social media platforms, they've gotten a bad rap lately, they're getting boycotted. But when you put it into perspective, these companies manage billions of users every single day. And it seems Samir talks about the challenges and what the future holds for social media on this episode. Let's dive in. At Google, one of your big projects was, was the, the Play Store and specifically selling Google's devices. Apple has always had a very strong retail footprint in selling their hardware. Was that retail footprint conversation ever at play? Or were you always convinced that the best way to go about this was direct to consumer? So Andy Rubin, who is the founder of Android, uh, creator and founder of Android, you know, had this vision that he wanted to have a high-end mass market phone. Um, and the way to, to get that into the hands of everyone is through direct-to-consumer. So it's, it was a different play than what Apple had. Apple was definitely looking to sell to maybe a more select audience, whereas um, the vision for Android um, and Nexus was to uh, effectively get it into the masses uh, of the world, not the masses, just the masses of the United States. And so therefore, you know, the, the product was designed so that we could pack as much as we could into the Nexus 4, which was the first product uh, that was launched on the Google Play Store, um, and the Nexus 7, which was the first tablet. And we basically, you know, sold that at cost. So, um, you know, the intent was to capture market and have people, you know, start adopting Android. And the time we wanted to launch, it was approximately five months. That was the aggressive plan. And so you can imagine trying to, you know, what that would be like to, you know, figure out the business, figure out, you know, what the product was going to look like, not only in different languages, but also in terms of uh, how do you get this so that you have a, a direct consumer, effectively e-commerce in Initially, I think we launched it in seven countries. Wow. Um, so there wasn't a whole lot of sleep in, in those, you know, a couple of quarters, but um, probably one of the more exciting rides of, of my life. So left Google and, and, and went to Facebook, director of engineering. What's the great challenge between me, the consumer, the user, and Facebook or Instagram, and the, the trust you aim to build between the two? The challenge I think we face is how to solve for both n equals one and n equals two billion, or one point x billion or two billion, right? So you know, and whether you know that's content, whether that's trust, whether it is you know any of the services that get provided and things that are inherently um, underlying that. The the issue is you know we can figure out ways to solve for n equals one two billion times, but how do you do that you know, for the masses um, while making sure that um, you accommodate for the bell curve in all aspects, right? You get the middle of the bell curve, you get one or two sigmas away, but you also get the edges. And it's hard to do that. Um, you know, let me give you a, like a very simple example. You know, a piece of art. You know, a piece of art maybe is content that will be displayed on many pieces of uh, social media. But what's art in France? Because 
you know, there's will be nudes and that's permitted. Will be considered obscene or pornographic in, you know, some places in the Middle East. And it's a very simple example, but you know, there, if let's get to you know how trust, you know, fits into that. So if we allow that on the platform, you know, trust is violated by someone you know who is uh, in a country that has laws associated with what is viewed as art versus what is viewed as pornographic. Um, and if, on the other hand, you go to a country where you censor that, then trust is broken in a different way. And so this is, I take that as a simple example, but if you amplify that and uh, across different types of content, different types of policies, um, it just becomes hard. And so the line you know, we straddle is how do you, how do you take the pop, how do you, what are the nuances of the policy so that you not only have the, you know, something that's common across the world and across all demographics and all uh, nation states, but also, you know, allows for people, you know, to build upon that. Um, so extraordinarily hard to, to solve for that. What is the role of this education and, and these resources in, for example, uh, a political election? Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's uh, been um, a, a lot of discussion about um, the policies of different social media companies. You know, Twitter took a stand recently. Um, Facebook took a different stand. Um, and what I can say on that is that it's, it's definitely evolving within the company. And we are you know, going off and taking a look at the policies we have um, in terms of uh, what is considered acceptable in the platform or not. Um, and since you know, the, the recent incidences in the last few weeks, you know, I, I would say there's been a lot of progress in our thinking around that. Part of that thinking is obviously about um, potential policy changes, but more importantly about uh, providing information and you know building awareness. Um, yeah. So if we just go back, you know, four years ago to the 2016 election around Cambridge Analytica, touchy subject, but we should talk about it, right? With Cambridge Analytica, you know, we there wasn't as much information available to to people about ads, um, and you know, one of the changes we made was the transparency. So you can, you know, have settings set up so that you can find out a lot of information about um, the ads that are coming up, you know, wh what country they're coming from, um, and a lot more details. And so I think that as social norms and issues arise, we have to evolve. And, and I think in high tech, we try to stay one step ahead or two steps ahead. Um, but sometimes, you know, we lag and we lag by a little bit. And I think that we probably, you know, you know, can move much faster. But there are just so many things that, you know, in the plethora of, 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 of bad things that can happen, um, how much can you have foresight into in terms of what could happen? And I think we try to, we, we, we actually think quite hard um, and really out of box about, you know, the, what I would call edge case scenarios and that what could go wrong. Facebook and, and Instagram just launched the digital shops. So being able to buy things uh, on the platform natively. Why is that coming out in 2020? I'm surprised that it, 
you know, a feature like that didn't take hold like a little bit earlier. I think we've, in Instagram, we've been just very deliberate um, about um, what features we add to the, the platform. Um, the, and, and we think about it very carefully. Um, you know, lots of discussion and debates, even at down to the pixel level, not only the feature level and the functional analog level, but craft is one of our values. Um, and so we really want to make sure that the, the craft of the product is, is impeccable. Um, and so with that, um, we, and we think about things like shopping and commerce, um, you know, we have commerce in the form of ads, but that's indirect. Shopping is more direct. And I think that was a conscious decision that we didn't want to at least initially start off there. Um, and then that evolution, you know, the, the, the thinking, uh, the evolution of the thinking has occurred and, and we've added that recently. And, um, you know, I think we'll continue to expand on that as we move forward. What functionality for a social media platform do you see down the line, you know, in terms of, of, of what you can do on it and, and, yeah. and how you interact with it? In my opinion, one of those things is going to be around um, virtual reality, augmented reality. I guess Gen A, uh, Gen, uh, because I guess that's the next one, Gen Alpha. I think oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's a, that they coined that. Okay. They've already coined that for 10 and under. Right? <laughs> yeah, oh, I, shoot. I, don't it, I don't think it's Gen A. I, I'm not sure if it's Gen A or Gen Alpha. So, Michael, unfortunately, you've become part of the old crowd um, now because now. Oh, says the guy working at Facebook. As <laughs> uh, you know, what's going to intrigue them, right? You know, because the the content uh, around text, photo, video, audio is something that they will have grown up with. What's the kind of next step function? And so, can you see AR, VR being integrated in with uh, social media, and and that's obviously one of the bigger one big bets we have. Uh, we, we have the Oculus platform, but can you, we see some of the technology seeping into the Instagrams and in Facebook world? I don't know if we'll do that or not, but I, I look at that less as a. I'm, look, I'm thinking about this less as a technology problem, more about what the what does the customer want, um, and so that's one possibility in the future. How much time per day do you spend on Instagram? I spend very little time on Instagram. Very little um, time. At least you don't at get to see the fruits of your labor, at least publicly. Well, at least publicly. So um, you'll, if you happen to stock either my Facebook account or my Instagram account, you'll see that there's very little content there. Um, most of my work, you know, occurs behind the scenes. So uh, there are lots of test accounts. Uh, so that's where all the fun occurs, right? Yeah, um, def definitely. So behind you know, the, the beer tap and the ping pong tables and the nap cube and, you know, the, the maybe some negative headlines here or there. What do people not know or not thinking about? What, what is the one thing that people don't ask about or don't know about, about what actually goes on in big tech? Like, what are they ignoring? Yeah, I think when people, um, you know, are interacting with a company, they view it as a one-on-one -on -one relationship between themselves and the company. Whether it's a user and, and Facebook or Instagram or Netflix or Apple, right? It's, you know, my Apple Watch is not working. You know, why didn't you design it you know, correctly? You know, why isn't my favorite show on Netflix? Um, why did you get the, this wrong or that wrong? We have billions of transactions per day. 
Um, and all those transactions are seamless. When you get on your phone and you start scrolling, right, that feed is there, right? But imagine, you know, 1.x billion people scrolling, right? And it's okay. occurring seamlessly, yeah. right? There's nothing like, nothing bad. And for the most part, the content is relevant. Getting that right, hopefully 99.999% of the time, you know, knowing that it won't be 100%, but like, I'll take three nines, four nines. Um, Sometimes we don't get that. Um, and, and so that's the challenge. That's the real hard challenge. A lot of students want to go work for Google or for Facebook. What people are big tech companies looking for? You can speak to Facebook more specifically since that's where you've inhabited in the Valley for the past few years. What, 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 what kinds of movers and shakers are they looking for? Clearly, you have to have a strong background in the area that you're you know, applying to, um, whether it's engineering or product management or design or research or content strategy or what have you. And so obviously just understanding that and, and just being, you know, a good subject matter expert, that is, is something that we will obviously suss out through the process. You know, if I think about engineering specifically, you know, I think about some of the basics of, of computer science, but they have to be ingrained in your DNA. I think just as important is what I call EQ, your emotional quotient. And that is about, you know, how you interact with people because, um, and how you get things done. It's a collaborative effort. If you think about it, um, the type of problems we work on, they're hard problems. And what I mean, my definition of hard is they're not solved because with the hundreds of thousands of staff years that have been put into all the types of issues and problems. If it was easy, it would have been solved, right? When I look for people, um, I look for both those signals, right? How will they, are they, will they be able to do the job? And then how will they be able to do the job? And so those are equally important. And with most of the people applying Silicon Valley, you can take a look at um, their college transcript, you can take a look at their resume, you can take a look at their GPA, you can take a look at a bunch of stuff and you go, okay, they will likely check the box on the IQ side. How are they going to perform in this team environment? I think people should keep that in mind as they think about um, how they want to approach uh, you know, companies in Silicon Valley. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Samir Patel, Director of Engineering at Instagram, offering us a view into kind of the great challenge that these, these massive social media companies face in offering a platform for, for billions and billions of people and controlling between, as he said, N equals one and N equals two billion. That was really interesting. Hope you guys enjoyed July 4th. Be really safe about what you do. I'll be back with you guys on Monday. Have a great weekend. Stay frosty. Peace.